0: Lowe's knows you'll do it right. To refresh your home, indoors and out, we do it right too, with savings during our Memorial Day sale. Like $15 off gallon cans and $45 off 5-gallon pails via Lowe's gift card rebate when you buy select interior and exterior paint and stain. Get top-selling Valspar paint starting as low as $4.98 after rebate. And load up on appliance savings with a Whirlpool laundry pair for just $858. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 529. U.S. only. See store for details. Head to Court Furniture Clearance Center for up to 70% off new retail prices. Stock is updated regularly, so you never know what kind of treasures you'll find. We offer a wide variety of stylish furniture for any budget, and every piece is court certified. And now through June 2nd is our Memorial Day mattress sale. Save big on everything for your home or office. Find new twin sets from $249, new queen sets from $299, and new king sets from $499. Plus, get a free gift with purchase while quantities last. Go to courtfurnitureoutlet.com today.
1: Time to take the next step with Looney Libus. This week we're going to continue the discussion of what exactly is a company or a corporation. And last week we talked about why they exist in the history, a little bit about why they exist. And, and this week we're going to talk about specifically about how you make one. So let's talk about the structure first. It's actually pretty simple, right? The, the core structure is defined by a set of laws, which again vary from place to place, but they're generally about the same. So a corporation is a group of people who agree to work together. And they have to agree to work together in a specific form. To describe what the structure is, let's just picture an onion. And in the center of the onion are the employees of the company. See, they're all the people who show up for work to make the company happen. The next layer out is the management. These are the people who tell the employees what to do. And of course, that can be an overlapping set, right? There can be some So management that are employees, and if you're an early company, the employees might just be management. But anyway, there's a set of people whose job it is to run the company, to make the everyday decisions to make the company happen. And the next layer of the onion outside of them is the board of directors. So these are people whose job it is to keep an eye on the management to make sure they're running the company well. Ultimately, it's to hire and fire the management team so that the company is run well. Because the next layer outside of the board of directors are the shareholders. The shareholders, those are the people who own the company. Those are the people who provided the capital for the company to exist or the founders or anyone else that the board of directors has decided to share the shares with, to share the ownership with. All right, so technically, you could think of it this way, that the employees work for management, management works for the board, and the board works for the shareholders. All right. So how do you make one of these companies? Well, the documentation for doing this, the process and documentation for creating a company, again, it's going to vary from place to place, but it's going to work more or less like this. You're going to write up a set of documents, or you're actually going to hire a lawyer to write up a set of documents called the Articles of Incorporation. And the Articles of Incorporation describe the structure of the company. It shall have a board of directors of at least three, not more than seven people, Uh, Here's its address, and here are the officers of the company, and and here's how all the pieces work together. And you're going to send that set of documents to your country or your state and file them as a new company. And the government is going to glance through them to make sure they look normal, and then going to grant you the right to be a company. And that's it. Now you're a company. Now... At this point, you don't actually have a board of directors. You have rules that say how you create the board of directors. Or, more specifically, even more specifically, usually there's another set of rules that you write or, of course, buy from a lawyer, which is your bylaws. And so the bylaws are the rules that the shareholders can change without telling the government. And so in the bylaws, usually would be all the rules about how do you elect someone to the board of directors, how do you remove someone from the board of directors, how many directors are there going to be right now. And there could be some other rules like the, uh, the CEO can only make purchases up to X amount without asking the board of directors for approval. There could be a lot of rules in the bylaws. The difference between the Articles of Incorporation and the bylaws is that the Articles of Incorporation are registered with the government, and you can change them, but that requires you to re-register new articles of incorporation with the government. That's an extra step. Whereas the bylaws could be changed at any time by the shareholders with a majority vote or supermajority vote if that's what the bylaws say. And one of those bylaws is going to say that such and such a person or such and such people are the initial directors on the board. All right. So now with the acceptance of the, sh- of the bylaws, the company has a board of directors. Okay. That's not everything you need to do yet. The third thing is that board needs to have a meeting. Between the Articles of Incorporation and the bylaws, it specifies how often they have a meeting and what those meetings look like. These days, it often says that the board doesn't actually have to meet in person. They can meet over email and make decisions that way. All right, so you have to have a board meeting. Usually, the very first board meeting is done on sheets of paper. It's, It's actually just written down, and those documents are signed the same same day and the same moment that everybody signs every other document. All right? And the first set of board resolutions, as they're called, will set people up as certain officers of the company and give the rights to, to the president and the treasurer to go open a bank account uh, and allocate some shares of the company and do some more housekeeping to get the company up and running and, and structured into this onion. All right? And again... When you start a company, the easiest thing to do and, and the right thing to do is go hire a lawyer. They will have all these documents already drafted and they'll do some some editing for you to make sure it's it's set up for what you're trying to do in your company. And In a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars, you'll have everything done correctly. The important part is you do it correctly because if you don't do it correctly, then if you are sued someday, then someone could break down your corporate veil and you could get sued and lose all your money. So it really is important that you do this right. Now what? Let's talk about those shares. In your articles of incorporation, you have told the state that you will be creating, you'll be issuing a certain number of shares. Commonly, this is 1,000 shares or 10,000 shares or even a million shares or 100 million shares. The number doesn't matter whatsoever. But you issue a certain number of shares, and then your board of directors has the right to allocate those shares to different people. And so in the first set of board resolutions you will allocate a certain number of those shares to your founders. Usually there's no investors yet when you start out, so usually you're just allocating to the founders and then when the investors come in you have some other contracts to deal with that. All right, so how do you split the that equity? How do you split those shares across the founders? Well, that's a really long story, right? Actually, last time I told that story to anybody, it took 45 minutes. So I'm not going to go through that right now. I I have a book on that. It's one of the next step books. And I'll get to it in the podcasts in in some future date. But somehow you've agreed on how you're going to split that. And you split that. And and everybody gets a certain number of shares. What I will say is that we usually talk about percentages. Like we're going to split the shares 60-40. We're going to split the shares 50-50 and so forth. But when it comes down to actually documenting it, it is a specific number of shares, and it is not all the shares that the company issued. So specifically, if you're going to issue, let's say, 1,000 shares, you may start out by giving each founder a few hundred shares each, less than 1,000 in total, and keep some that are unallocated. And this is where a whole lot of first-time entrepreneurs get tripped up, so I'll dive into this for a second. There are the number of shares that you've told the government that exist, and that is a larger number, or equal or larger number, to the number of shares you've actually handed out to people. And so the terms for that is the number of issued shares, that's the number that exists, and allocated shares, the numbers that have been handed out to people. Now, here in the United States, allocating a share to someone is giving them something of value, and that is a taxable event. Once you've allocated these shares in the first set of board resolutions, when the company is brand new and has no assets and and no value, right? after that, once you have a customer and have some revenue, now these shares have some value. What value they have? that's a that's a whole other story. We'll do that some other time. Uh, but they don't have a zero value. And therefore, handing out these shares to anyone else after that fact, after the first customer, is handing them something of value, which is a taxable event. It is income to those people, but it's not cash, right? You're not handing them something that they can turn around and pay their taxes with. So once you've allocated shares to people, that's kind of stuck. You're you you can buy those shares back from your founders. That's that's doable, but you can't add more shares to the founders at this point. And so a whole lot of uh, entrepreneurs are are thinking that oh well, I'll just start out small now, and we'll just keep. Handing out shares as we figure out what everyone's doing later, unfortunately, that just doesn't work from a tax point of view. And too often, that that's just how things go. And and you have to follow what the taxes do. You got to pay your taxes. When investors come along, you don't have this problem because they're buying shares, right? and that's not a taxable event either. Selling equity, selling shares to a to an investor, that's not income from customers, and so that's not a taxable event to the company. And entrepreneurs often think that they're selling their shares to investors. Well, you're not. What you're doing is you're selling them new shares that have never been allocated. So this is why you leave some some shares lying around that that are unallocated. So let's say that when you created the company in your articles of incorporation, you issued 1,000 shares. And then in that first board resolution, you allocated 700 of those shares amongst the founders. That would be a pretty common thing to do. So you still have 300 shares that are unallocated, and you might think that, well, you guys only own 70% of the company, but you don't. You, you own 100% of all the allocated shares. The other 300 don't matter. They, they exist, but nobody owns them, so you don't have to add those into the denominator when you're figuring out uh, what percentages anyone owns. Right? You guys own 700 of the 700 allocated shares. And then let's say an investor comes along and you sell that investor the other 300 shares. So now the split is 700-300. That's 70%, 30%. But the investors are buying a specific number of shares. They don't buy a percentage. They buy a specific number of shares. And in this case, they bought 300 shares. And now you don't have any more shares. You don't have any, any, un, you don't have any unallocated shares. So if the next investor comes along and wants to buy anything, you have to issue more shares, which means you have to redo your articles of incorporation to issue more shares, and then you can sell them new shares, right? And so let's say you, you issued another 1,000 shares and sold the next investor just 100 more, and so now it's 700 that the founders own and 400 the, that the investors own, right? And you can do the math to figure out the percentages, but the point is that um, you're, you're selling investors shares that you don't own. Shares that nobody owns. That's what they're buying. And they're diluting everyone who owns shares. That's the term of art. Hopefully that makes some more sense now. Now, what they pay for these shares and whatnot, that's all complicated. We'll talk about that in the realities of funding when we get to that. But before I move on, one more important detail, one important enough to dive into, which is that investors typically don't buy the same type of shares as the founders. So the founders own common shares. Common as in just the basic shares that don't have any preferences to them, right? That's the the next term of art. The investors typically buy preferred shares. Those are shares that have preferences. And so back in your articles of incorporation, you are issuing, when you say you're issuing 1,000 shares, what it actually says is you're issuing 1,000 common shares. And what your first articles of incorporation say usually is that uh, you're not issuing any other type of shares. And these can also be called classes of shares. You have class A shares and class B shares and class C shares and and common shares. All right, so when when the time comes to sell shares to an investor, what you often have to do is restate your articles of incorporation, and they would say that you still are issuing 1,000 shares total in common shares, and then you're issuing another 1,000 shares of preferred shares. And then you're selling the preferred shares to the investors. And that could still be 700 common shares to the founders and 300 preferred shares to the investors. And then the agreement between your company and the investors states what all the preferences are. And sometimes the preferences require you to go back and change some of the rules that are in the articles of incorporation and some of the rules in the bylaws. Because often one of those preferences is that the investors have a board seat. And so often, you have to go back to the Articles of Incorporation and say, well, the common shareholders have one or two board seats, and the preferred shareholders have one or two board seats, and the rules for picking the board members, now sitting back in the bylaws, say that the preferred shareholders together choose the preferred seats and the common shareholders choose the common seats and so forth. And there are other rules that come along in other preferences uh, that make this more complicated, which is why... When you get around to selling shares to an investor, you always hire a lawyer to make sure you do this right. So between last week and this week, what do we have? Well, we have a corporation. We have a group of people that have decided to work together to do something good for the world, right? Product or service that improves the world. And we know what the documentation is for that. And we know more or less what to talk to lawyers about in order to get that set up. And we know how shares work between the founders And between the founders and the investors. And we have everything we need in order to go forward and work on our business. And again, go hire a lawyer to get this stuff done correctly. And once you have this structure set up, basically, you can forget about it for a while. And and at least once a year, you should go check with your government to see what fees they want in order for you to keep that corporation going. But other than that, you now have the right to go and And sell to customers, which is really what you wanted to do when you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur and and start a company. You know, have a company. And next week, we'll go off on another topic. Until then. Lowe's knows you'll do it right. To refresh
0: your home, indoors and out. We do it right, too, with savings during our Memorial Day sale, like $15 off gallon cans and $45 off 5-gallon pails via Lowe's gift card rebate when you buy select interior and exterior paint and stain. Get top-selling Valspar paint starting as low as $4.98 after rebate and load up on appliance savings with a Whirlpool laundry pair for just $858. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 529. U.S. only. See store for details. There's a difference between do-it-yourself